alaikum, peace. My name is Shame Ali Nain, and I love nature. Beautiful. I do too. <laughs> Welcome to the Woke Wisdom Podcast. This is Alexandra Loves, and I am with my furry cosmic guardian, Cyrus and Bisu, joyfully coming to you from the moon garden where wisdom is nourished, awakening is embraced, and fun is encouraged. Today, I want to start with gratitude. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Just by simply listening is such an amazing support. And sometimes when I'm, you know, editing into all hours of the night, I'm thinking to myself, is this getting out there? Is this even (laughs) making a difference? And now that there's been some episodes out and, and people are starting to go out there and click and rate and review, I am getting some reflections back from your experiences. And I'm finding out that it actually is touching people and people are inspired by what they are finding. And that feels really good. And that is part of the intention, you know, bringing wisdom into how we create this new world together. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And you can do that right now, just with a few clicks, just clickety, clickety, click, just a few clicks. Thank you for sharing with your groups and your families. And also the rates and reviews are very, very helpful to me. I'm so appreciative. It's essential to have this community support in an undertaking like this. And for those of you who are curious about episodes to come, um, community events, please go to our Facebook and Instagram accounts. They're under Woke Wisdom Podcast. This next episode is a very special one. My guest is Shamia Lee Nayem, who's cool and gentle focused, open doors of inspiration for me when it comes to my own engagement with creativity, especially when I'm blocked and I'm feeling like, you know, nothing's happening. I'm inspired by her journey of always learning and opening to her own creative spirit and the realness with how she communicates this. I am sitting here with a Well, I'm virtually sitting here with a very special, special woman. She is the author of the poetry collection City of Pearls and the album of the same name. Shami Ali Naim is an Indian Muslim American poet, musician, artist, and recovering social justice lawyer. Her poetry has appeared in Apiary, Ducey, and Misna, and can be found in anthologies, including Shattering the Stereotypes, Muslim Women Speak Out, Living Islam Out Loud, American Muslim Women Speak Out, and Shout Out, Women of Color Respond to Violence. Shami Ali is the recipient of the Loft Literary Center Spoken Word Immersion Fellowship. So friends, let's take a deep breath and welcome our guest. Shami Ali. I have to say in connecting with you, uh, I have just been so inspired in my own artistry and um, found you to be a really warm and caring individual and connecting with you has just been such a delight in my life. And I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. 
I'm really excited for this conversation. It's always a joy to be in your company. Yay, we're so blessed. <laughs> so my dear, if you could be an animal or a non-human, it could be a plant life or something like that, what would it be and why? I'd probably pick like a water creature. Yes. Like a whale, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I was reading, what book was it? I was reading and they were talking about how when a baby whale is born, all the whales come and say the name to that baby. All the whales of the pack come and say the name to that baby when the baby is born. Really? That is yes. so powerful. But it's like additionally powerful because like they're one of the oldest creatures on the planet. Yeah. And, you know, they're like these record keepers in yeah. this other environment of our planet, the ocean. Mm-hmm. That we, you know, humans, they're parts of the ocean we've never even witnessed yeah this unexplored Um, frontier yeah so I love whale songs and I like the way they move and Hmm. um, I could keep going because I'm like oh yeah (laughs) we didn't even talk about the birds I like like hummingbird (laughs) hummingbird I'm I like that too (laughs) they're also kind of fierce but sweet (laughs) very joyful (laughs) fierce sweet joyful so you you could be like one of those one of those uh metamorphize it like one of those creatures that just chooses for the day this is what I am this is what I am today (laughs) I would say today I'm a hummingbird (laughs) nice I love it I love it beautiful okay one last thing about birds though do you know I just watched this David Attenborough uh hummingbird thing on on streaming and they were talking about how hummingbirds can't walk they have to fly they're not designed to walk. You know, How like do you know all these facts. <laughs> yeah. They, they, and the, the amount they eat, it's just like a 49 minute documentary. I think it's on Amazon or something. And it's on hummingbirds and it's absolutely mesmerizing. And I've never thought about that. Like I've dreamt of flying before, right? But I never thought of what it would be like to be a creature that that is the mode of transportation completely. And that's it. But they can float on water, right? I've seen them in little like bird baths and stuff, taking, yeah, washing up their feathers and things. <laughs> Do they not have feet? No, they have feet. They just. <laughs> <laughs> they do have feet. It's just that they don't walk or hop. That's what the documentary said. They just they only fly to move. And they can stand, though. They can stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have feet. I've seen them. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Hummingbird. Well, if you could fly like that, you'd probably pick that to focus on in your life because yeah. they're so... Have you ever, like, recorded a hummingbird in slow motion? Uh, no, but in this documentary, there's a lot of that, a lot of that type of footage and it's the sound waves on the slow motion of a hummingbird are just so beautiful. Okay. Like, I'm gonna have to look they're, they're not just the wings, but mm-hmm. also just any sounds. They make sounds that Ooh. we just don't hear. And oh. when you put it in slow motion, you hear it. <sighs> this world is awesome. There's so many really cool things like that in this world. 
it's just like infinite, awesome, beautiful things that, that are in our creation. Thank you for that. I'm actually going to put the, if I can find that sound, I'll put it in the show notes for, for all of us to explore. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Is there something significant that you'd like to share that you discovered about yourself in the past year? This past year. Yeah. That I've discovered about myself. I mean, there's so many things to choose from because Mm -hmm. I feel like it's been a year of just so much um, growth. And um, definitely my relationship to time has changed during this time. Um, I think what I've learned is that the magic of human beings' adaptability. Yeah. You know, you just, you just adapt to whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've learned that about that within me, but I do believe all humans share that quality. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to just stick with that. I could keep going. I've, I have a list of so many different things <gasps> I feel I've learned about myself. Um, yeah. But I will say I am grateful, you know, that mm. these circumstances have allowed for such growth and such time with myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I would say I, I learn more deeply, like what's important to me. Yes. And, um, a stronger sense of my purpose. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because my relationship to time has changed, I feel more fire in me to like get things done. Yes. Because life is not promised and we just oh, have, you know, we just don't know. Things can all change in a second. <laughs> so if I, mean, I can do something, they? I try to do it. <laughs> I try to do it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting to be in a time where like things have in some ways, like a lot of things slowed down, but that sort of mortality you're talking about, you know, who knows what tomorrow is going to bring or if we're going to be here. And um, it's actually quite beautiful, you know, to, to, to be motivated in, in the fact that like, wow, this life that, you know, you have something to give to this life and we're being challenged with, with the fact that not every day is promised. So why not live it? (laughs) Well, it's like, it's, it's, it's not kind of, it's not kind of YOLO type thing. It's more for, for me, it's more. You know, I can tend to be like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'll plan and plan to like do a project or like, I want to do this thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, um, and this past year has encouraged me to be like, oh, you want to do music? Well, then do it now. You know, not not like you only live once, but more you really want to do this. Mm -hmm. So why are you waiting to do it when all the circumstances are perfect for you in your mind to do that thing. Yeah. Um, 
start now and just do it. Yes. And so that's been pretty amazing to just like take some risks in that, take some risks towards my dreams and things I want to really do. Yeah. They, um, they say that when they talk to people on their deathbeds, there's, you know, the, the, a common list of regrets. And one of them is that so many people had these desires and dreams of something big they were going to do in their life or something they wanted to immerse themselves in um, being a musician or, you know, writing the book or whatever, climb Mount Everest, whatever it was. And there's this expression of like, I could have done that. I, I could have tried. And I, I feel like that's what you're, you're speaking to right now. And um, I've experienced a lot of people, you know, friends that friends and community members who all of a sudden are breaking out the ukuleles and the <laughs> they've had in their attic for a really long time or, um, you know, making those plans to, to go overseas that is something they always wanted to do. And now, now it's happening even in the time we're living in right now. So I, I really appreciate you speaking to that. It's, it's a, a very interesting time in, in the era of human history, people becoming who they are. <laughs> yeah. And not just like for my dreams, but in my relationships, like communicating yes. things to people that are important to me, mm-hmm. um, being good to myself. Yes. Like, you know what? Just burn the candle you're saving mm-hmm. for that special day. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to burn the candle. I'm going to use the soap. I'm going to eat the chocolate. <laughs> eat the chocolate. I'll, I'll save stuff. Eat like, the chocolate oh, this is food. the emergency chocolate. <laughs> I'm like, the emergency is now. <laughs> oh, chocolate, the great healer. <laughs> And if you save it, it's like not even fresh chocolate anymore. Word. <laughs> so. If you could spend an afternoon with someone, who would it be and why? Oh, my dad. Yeah. I miss him. Mm. I would love to spend an afternoon with my dad. But I mean, he's here. I think when I say this, I mean, I guess his earthly self, I would just love having chai with him and yeah, I don't know, doing some task together or yeah, definitely him. That's beautiful. I like that you picked family. That's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. My, um, I was just thinking recently about how, there's this new focus and you know some of us grow up with the folk with focuses of wor- working with our ancestors praying with our ancestors having some some sort of relationship in that and i've been thinking a lot about how there's been this huge new focus especially here in the united states of people wanting that people who've never been raised with that idea or um or um, are even comfortable with it sometimes. And I just, I'm really loving that this, this interest in either the creating the relationships or, or starting with something small, just to, 
to bring family back into, into life presently. So, uh, you know, family that's departed into our life presently. And so I love, I love that you picked your dad. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think about him all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, it would be the biggest joy to get to spend an afternoon with him. <laughs> oh, blessings. Blessings to his soul. Yeah. What are you, what are you up to these days that feels aligned with your spirit? Well, I'm working on my second poetry manuscript, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about. Um, and I'm, I'm also excited about it. My... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I'm working on um, my second album of poetry um, with electronic music that I'm composing and putting together like mm-hmm. synth. And um, I've been in the sound practice class that's been bringing me a lot of joy these days. Um, I love the folks that are in the class mm-hmm. and I love the um, the teacher and founder of the class. His name is Malik Abdul Rahman. Uh-huh. And um, he's really cultivated just a really um, beautiful space mm. um, that's just giving me some room to ask um, questions of myself and just grow as an artist yes, and help to synthesize, you know, my work as a poet and my work as a musician um, wow. where I don't feel like they're two different boxes, but like, you know, just an, a unified Ooh. expression. Ooh, I like that. I struggle with that myself synthesizing different things that I'm creating or, or into what a, what a great class to be offering. I'm excited to see what comes out for you. I'm excited too. I think we'll see. We'll see. Inshallah. Inshallah. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, beautiful. And you know, I'm speaking to your first manuscript city of pearls, which you've agreed to read a poet to recite a poem for us out of this book. I'm so excited. You know, I, I really, one of the things that I, I really appreciate about this, about city of pearls is that it feels like, it feels like unplanned in a way. It really does feel like I'm on the journey of your life and like, something just occurred to you and you shared it with us in such, in such beautiful words, you know, it's, um, thank you for giving us that, that sort of window into your life and showing yourself this way, because it's really fun. Um, and it goes into some deep subjects too, that I'm like, Whoa, that's deep. And then later I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's like really to be in, to, to be in that like experience. I don't want to give away everything in in this book because I'd like people to experience them, you know, for itself, but there's, I almost consider this in some ways, like a sacred activism of, of sharing what's inside you and, and how you're experiencing what's going on in the world around you in such a 
almost conversational way. It's not written in conversational way, but it's just like so open. And I'm, I'm just really appreciative of the way you, you wrote this. Yeah, obviously I'm not a poet critic or poet analyst. I'm sure I'd have better words <laughs> to explain what I'm trying to say, but um, it's a great book, City of Pearls. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you created this and shared it with this world. Thank you so much. You know, one of my intentions, like I tried to very intentionally write these poems using just a real economy of words, like not using too many words to um, hold, I think, experiences that a lot of us share. Yes. And I wanted to just like come from a place where I was using some of my own experiences because they're mine, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but where others could relate to those experiences yeah. Um, in these things we share, and something that we all share as human beings mm-hmm. is that we are born. Yes. And that we die. And that, mm-hmm. you know, birth and death, we all share that. Yeah. And um, I wanted to hold those things in ways that felt gentle. Yes. And offer some room for space. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of space in the book. Yes, there is. To just yeah. breathe a little bit and um, hopefully connect together on those themes of grief, mm-hmm. death, birth, joy, um, relationship to self Mm -hmm. relationship to spirit to nature um to love yeah beautiful um when you made this is this is an additional question but when you made the sound album you incorporated like your own music like you made the sound for this as well well for the first album I worked in collaboration with a composer um his name is Kais Asar Mm -hmm. he plays um the rabab um and so the instrument you hear on that album is the rabab okay Um, and the rabab has been used over time with other poets Poets have very easily worked with this instrument. Yeah. Hafez used it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe Rumi as well, as, and many other poets. Um, and so the first album, I didn't compose that music. Um, and I didn't play the rabab. <laughs> pretty amazing. Um, and I've had the honor and, and um, joy to get to uh, perform with him, which is how I met him for the first time. And then I invited him to be on this album and shared what my vision was for it. And so um, he agreed. So that was a really great collaboration. And this second album, however, 
um, I am doing all the music to it. Wow. <laughs> and, but it's not the Rabob, it is synthesizers. <laughs> wow. so. Like a graduation or something. <laughs> it's like a whole new world. <laughs> well, it's, it isn't a new world for me per se, but it's a mm. world I haven't shared. Oh, um, so yeah, I've definitely like, yeah, started music has been a big part of my life. I would never have called myself a musician for mm -hmm. much of it, but, um, I definitely spent a lot of time in my own space engaging with it. And I love synths. Yes. <laughs> I know you do. I've, I've seen videos. Oh gosh. Your that's Instagram embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Geez. But, um, but yeah, so it's been, what's really been magical about it for me is and I felt this way also when I engage in like visual art mm -hmm. is like the heart is always like the poem for me. Yes. And it's just this like new language to express the poem. And so it's just been really like, I've really just been enjoying having these poems I've written. Yeah. And then creating these landscapes for these poems, like oh, wow. sonic landscapes, like oral spaces to, to hold the words, but really almost they're like the shadow or even the light or, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. They're just like a part of it. And it's the same poem. <laughs> it's just a different language. And um, that felt very exciting for me and really spacious. Yeah. And um, it offers me a lot of peace when I work on, on the pieces. Um, and, and it's like, um, with a poem, you write it and it's, it's on the page. There's so many iterations of these worlds I've made for each of these poems. Yes. <laughs> and then one of them just gets recorded, <laughs> you know? Um, and that part's pretty magical for me too, is yeah, like the non-attachment to these moments that just happen with, with myself and the and the poem and um and sharing that and exploring that and also learning and allowing myself to grow more, you know. Yeah. I still feel nervous to call myself a musician because there's so much I still have to learn. There's so much I still have to, to grow. Yeah. And I, so I don't like, I have so much respect for the folks that, you know, um, have been sharing their work their whole lives. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the same time, I know this is something that's in me too. And, I'm excited to just like take that more seriously for myself. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying about what did I learn about myself this year? Uh-huh. And this is something I really love. Ooh. And I'm willing to like put in whatever work I need to do to grow in it because it's a place that makes me really happy. Wow. What a, what a, <laughs> 
deep truth that I think sometimes we're sort of conditioned against, but I, I really like, I noticed you said something like to this effect a little earlier too. You said, I just really enjoy this. And right. And I, I remember um, long ago, I was a professional actress and I was, there was a time when it was, you know, I'm like, this is it. Like, this gives me the most joy and I'm really excited about it and everything. And then, and then I started using that as sort of the, the litmus test. And if I was involved in a production or, you know, doing something and that wasn't, that wasn't bringing me joy whatsoever, then I found out that I, I wasn't really even able to give myself or my heart to what I was creating on, on the stage because it, it was almost like sullying this, this truth within myself, which is this performance space is, is something I enjoy and I love. And, um, and at that time it was easy to motivate myself to work at and, you know, learn more skills. And, and I believe what you're talking about is a radical act because so much of what we get conditioned into and, and some of the structure, a lot of the structures of our world have us spending a lot of time and effort and energy on things that do not bring us joy <laughs> and, and aren't, aren't exciting for us. So what a radical act to find something or to be in something, learning something, creating something, sharing it with the world that really you love and brings you so much joy. Oh, thank you. And you know what I, as you were speaking, I was like thinking about, it took me forever to even call myself a poet too. That took time. (laughs) I was writing poetry since I was like 13. What? Yeah. I felt scared to call myself a poet. Huh. You know, like, what do you mean you're going to call yourself a poet? Like, these are real poets over here. <laughs> and I feel like I, I hear a lot of people do that to themselves, too, you know? Like, they'll be an amazing photographer, but not call themselves that. Mm-hmm. Or be a poet and not. I, I want to make jokes right now. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't know it okay never mind (laughs) (laughs) on the woke wisdom podcast you're welcome to make any jokes moving forward (laughs) you're a poet and you didn't know it okay sorry um (laughs) it had to happen it It did I'm sorry I love I will tell you I love to laugh and I I love humor but anyhow um like yeah I th- I hear a lot of people not think they're a thing that they are they're just that's who they are yeah you know? and or you, they have been put in a label like you're a filmmaker so why are you gonna be a fiber artist right now mm, and yeah. the limit um and you know, and then there's a lot of people that don't do that and they're open to be all the aspects of themselves, you know. Um, and I take a lot of inspiration from that mm-hmm. to just take creative risks and be drawn to the thing that's within you. Yeah. You towards your purpose 
and just exploring the ways in which you express creativity. So yeah. it's it makes me nervous <laughs> to call myself a musician. Mm. But um <laughs> but you know I'm making music and um and I love it and I encourage others to do the same and I it doesn't mean that you're not being respectful of the people that have put in the time right in their life um I think both can happen simultaneously yeah, okay you can have room to grow and learn but don't let it stop you word doing a thing that you love and that and fulfilling you know your dreams and your goals and um modalities of expression of I your mean, art this is something that we first sort of connected on when we were talking about having this conversation and that is you were talking about that art is a space that anyone can access and I've been thinking about that statement a lot since we we started talking um you know the last couple weeks and I was like you know I mean we've had a growing friendship since before that but since we started talking about this this particular question and I realized that I find that intimidating in, in a way that art is a space that anyone can access, you know, we could break down so many ways. What is art? And, and who, like what we were saying before, what's an artist? And when do you call yourself an artist and all this? But I found it intimidating because of, of what you're talking about right now. There's so many people that I know. I know a lot of creatives and, and musicians, especially and, and dancers. And, and I started as a musician and a dancer. And then there were times in my life where I just wasn't and, you know, injuries and, and different stuff that happened in my life. And when I'm looking at this question and thinking about this question, I'm like, whoa, I realize that I don't in my heart, it's like in my heart, I know I'm a dancer, but there's some block in me that's like, no, you're not. You, you haven't been practicing or you haven't been, you know, showing work or, or whatever it is. And when I saw this, this idea, some, uh, art is a space that anyone can access. I just felt like, like a little bit of shame because I have not been accessing that space the way I was before. And I sometimes wonder if, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, places where people can be sort of viewing and, and perceiving this, this comment. But for me, it, it, it really felt like, like this really deep negative judgment of myself. And, and I know I'm not alone in that. I know a lot of people get away from the art that they're expressing because of kids or because of, you know, injury or something in their family or culturally, it's not okay to do it. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. That art is the space that anyone can access. Well, I think when I think about that, I just mean like within yourself mm -hmm. and it, it's like really what art is just like connected to the creativity part of, you know, that is the central element to all art practices. Yeah. 
is like you're creating something. Mm-hmm. And the access part isn't that necessarily um, you could just do anything you want. Because I mean, when you're saying like, you know, there's so many different ways that people might be limited or prevented from yeah. doing um, doing um, different art practices. Yeah. But I think when I mean that it's there for everyone, yeah. mm-hmm. that it's like available within you, the ability to create that agency to create is within every single human being. You know, how you do that might have different elements, but the actual like imagination, the actual like creative ideas, that's all in you. That's within everyone. So I think that's what I connect to in that statement. Yeah. Is the freedom that that offers within us inside, our ability to vision, our ability to create. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of connects to what I was talking about in being adaptable. Right. That's such a creative practice to be adaptable. Um. And so to me, like, that's where I connect to that. Yeah. And it isn't meant to sound like some kind of judgment for folks that might feel like there's obstacles. Oh, to, yeah. Um, but more, we all have the power to create. We all have that power to choose inside ourselves. Yes. Irrespective of whatever's happening outside of ourselves. Yes. And I, okay. So I also, you kind of just opened a door for me and, and I also want to be clear. I, I definitely didn't think that's what you, you were saying when we were talking about the comment. It's just, it was sort of my shadow stuff coming up and, and how I, how I interacted with it and wanted, wanted to speak to that because I can, I feel and I can hear how when you're talking about art and the accessibility of it and our relationship with it, it's very open and expansive and accessible to anybody. And so I I appreciate you breaking that down because I think it's vital for us to hear that from, especially from people who are immersed in, in putting it out there. And it's so easy for us to, it would be so easy for me to get the city of pearls, right. And be like, Oh my gosh, like start playing into like a hierarchy of this person has something that, uh, or is accessing something that I can't access is, is doing something that, that I can't do in my own version, you know, like I'm not going to write city of pearls too. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm also not a poet really. So, but, but there's this conditioning that, Sometimes when we see or feel these tangible things like a poetry book or we hear the, somebody's music and that, uh, that is really showing us the, the focus or the work or the, the hard feeling that this person is connected to, to to create this thing, it, 
it sometimes feel like it's, it feels like it's far away and that, that, you know, if you've, if you've not accessed that for a long time, or if it's hard for you to access that, it's just not for you. And what I, what I hear you saying is that that's for everybody. It's in everybody, however, it, however it um, comes out. And it's so important to hear that from like people who are accessing it and show and showing it. So I, I appreciate the way that you um, engage, engage with this concept of anyone can access. And there's no one path. That's right. Because there's no one formula. Mm-hmm. You literally could create it a, a form that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Look at all these different forms that never happened before that happened because people access that power within themselves mm-hmm. that we all have. And like, what are the things we tell ourselves to stop ourselves from that all the time? So how many years of my life have I stopped myself oh. from sharing music? Mm-hmm. Decades. And yet, bought myself a guitar and taught myself how to play it. Hmm. And yet, would sit around with a keyboard for hours. Even, even before the pandemic started, <laughs> I was just like sitting... I don't know some stuff. Like, I definitely do not know some stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm also a little, like, you know, I just had my synth. I had an amp. I connected yeah. the synth to the amp. That's all that happened. Like, there was no computer involved. <laughs> <laughs> and I would sit for hours having the time of my life. Oh, and beautiful. Like, that would be sad if I stopped myself from doing that and tell myself, well, you're not a musician, you're a poet. And why do you think you have the right to do this? And you you haven't done this and you haven't done that. And are you even good? (laughs) Oh, speaking to my wound. Are you even good? Uh. (laughs) So, so I, I really like, I don't know. I, when I see, I see lots of folks with so many gifts and it's like, I hope everybody gives them self a chance to create and do the thing that makes them happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and th- by that, I don't mean not to respect the discipline, the focus and the care it takes to really like master, I don't know. I don't know if I should. I don't know what word, but really, like, ex- excel in your craft. Yeah. Grow and evolve in your craft. Right. And um, take it to the highest level that you can. Of course. There's so much. I I respect that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to be like, and hey, we can do anything, and yeah, just like, and you know, I mean, I am kind of saying that, but <laughs> but also holding the um. Like if it is something you care about, like go in, give the yeah. discipline for it, give the the time. Uh-huh. You know, um, and but don't let these things stop you, right? You know, from listening to that voice in you that's telling you to create. And that brings me to this this other thing that we're talking about is that artist healing. 
And you just said about, you know, listening to this voice inside you. And my view is that, you know, that's who you really are. This, this spirit, this soul that lives inside you. And there's all sorts of perspectives on that. That's the most important voice of all, of all is, you know, and so let's talk about this healing art is healing. And I want to know how has that played out in your life or in, I, I know that sometimes you're, you, you mentor other artists sometimes, right? How is that, how is that played out? How, how do you see that happening? Art being a healing experience. Well, first I would say that, um, people are their own healers Mm -hmm. along with spirit or God or, you know, the universe, you are the one, you are the healer. So when you get, and I've said this, I think in like other conversations, but like when you get a paper cut, like it's your body healing the paper cut, Mm -hmm. the people that help along the way, like a doctor or those are facilitators. Like they help facilitate that healing if you need support in that. Um, but ultimately like you're doing the healing. Mm-hmm. And so when you say that art is healing, I think that comes connected to your intent around your own healing. So if you are creating art and you create that intent around your own healing along with the art in terms of the expression or the idea um, or the way in which art allows for a transmutation to occur from something that might be painful, that might be traumatic. Yes. But I think the key element though, is your choice in that, your agency in that, your intention in that. And it also connects to even experiencing art so that we are healed from art, even when we are not the creators of it. Right. But just by experiencing it. Um, Yeah. It's a space of seen and unseen which is also healing space yes and there's like mystery in art as well Mm. so um I don't even know if I can figure out the words for some of it (laughs) (laughs) not to be like oh wow that's so deep but not not like that but you know like there's a lot to it that I don't know if there are words for, um, but uh, um, I think, yeah, there's like the things we make that heal us mm-hmm. and the things that we receive that heal us. Um, but in the end, we're, we make the choice to heal. Yes. Yeah. I, I think you're saying in a way I can, I can feel that. You're saying in a way that I'm, I'm getting that and it, it makes me come back to this art of storytelling, which is 
definitely present here in, in, in this podcast and why I wanted to interview so many of you amazing women in, in my life. There, there have been times when, um, when like I personally have been stuck in, you know, whatever it is that I'm creating or try, even if it's something I'm figuring out in my life, it doesn't have to be something even related to art, but it's just something that I'm wrestling with or, or, you know, difficulty finding balance with. And I'll hear, you know, Shami Ali tell a story and I'm like, oh, you know, she spoke from her heart and she said this thing. I went to one of your readings once online. I don't remember which poem it was. And you said something and it felt like it wasn't related. If you looked at what the issue was in my life and what you were saying in that poetry, you wouldn't know that they were related. But after I saw that reading, I was like, huh. And it opened this door to this struggle I was having. Oh, wow. You know, and, and I think that's, we can do that, you know, and this was poetry and, uh, you know, a type of kind of a type of storytelling. And, you know, you were talking earlier about how that creates, you know, this, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but you're talking about how like the creativity comes from that, that inside voice, like creation is art. Right. And, um, I'm just so grateful that we can live in a world where what we create from ourselves, whether it be poetry or a music or, you know, the best type of chocolate chip cookie <laughs> that has ever been made, that it can soothe us in some sort of way, open doors for us in, in some way to help us know ourselves better. Isn't that a healing in itself to know ourselves better? Absolutely. And I would also say, and I think the, I was like losing myself, like, I don't have the words and, you know, I think some of it is like art helps us bring us back into our bodies, Mm -hmm. you know, to just like, there are things our bodies tell us that aren't words, but the body is the first communicator. Yeah. Things we're going through you know, or, or what we hold. Yeah. We hold in our bodies. So one art is a place to take that out, to take, let's say you're holding trauma in your body and you can create art to take that out of your body. Yeah. And like change it Mm. into something beautiful or whatever the expression. So there's that. Or it's like coming in and like just even listening, like what is my body? Like art will bring us back into that, and different forms like will do that even more so. Like yeah, dance and you know, music and its relationship to dance and the way it makes us move. Yes, um, and even poetry, which you don't need instruments. Your voice is that, and even though you aren't singing there's still like a musical quality to sharing mm-hmm. words from your mouth, from your heart, soul. Yes. And, um, and it can bring you back into your body. And I think that's a healing aspect, like that embodiment. 
So the so it sounds like we're talking about like the art being healing in our receiving it and perceiving it, but also like as as somebody who's you know receiving from someone else somewhere else, right? But also the healing that comes when in our own engagement with what comes through us. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And sharing that. Wow. Definitely. I feel like this is how humans, how humans just used to be before we had all of our systems and our structures that we had today. Oh, you mean before capitalism came to disassociate <laughs> us from everything important? Yes. From our entire <laughs> like sense of life? Yep. <laughs> 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 art, but that's that, 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 but that's like true though. It like art does bring you back from that disassociation mm-hmm. in all the ways we cut ourselves off from ourselves and cut ourselves off from our ancestors, cut ourselves off from nature, cut yeah. ourselves off from spirit, cut ourselves off from our own healing and our own ability to heal. And our own sense of agency. Yes. I think art does a lot to bring us back into that. Mm. We talked about being distracted as a creative and how you open yourself up and getting committed to your craft. And not that this, not that getting committed to your craft has to be the goal for everybody. But it is something that could possibly, as we've talked about, be healing for some people, for all, you know, for, it could be healing. And also, I'm sure there are people who are listening right now who, who desire that, getting committed to their craft and whatever it looks like for them. So have you ever been distracted (laughs) and being creative? My gosh. (laughs) I know I have. (laughs) I've definitely been distracted. Mm. Um, some distractions are like life just throwing things at you and you're yeah. just like, oh, this, okay, that. One distraction is also like, it's really hard to sustain yourself as an artist sometimes. Yes. And so it's very distracting <laughs> to have to do all these other things to sustain yourself. Um. And then your art. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, you know what? The sustainability thing is a major creative block. So I feel like my distractions come when I'm like just trying to deal with things that life will present. But then the way to deal with it, right, is the thing, again, like the adaptability. Mm -hmm. And then to just see, like, what new thing is here to, to, that might shift something for me to do what brings me joy. Uh. And um, so that is kind of, and then, you know, some of it is, like, routines and rituals Mm -hmm. and that I think is very helpful around distractions 
Um, I like the ideas. I like rituals. And what well, um, what do you and, mean by rituals? Because I would say the majority of people who'd be listening to this podcast would be like, oh yeah, but for those people who might have one idea about what ritual is, could you share a little bit about that? So let's say I have a ritual that every day when I wake up, I wake up and read a new poem, somebody's work, brand new. Yeah. And I've set that as a ritual for myself to, uh-huh. to start the day with. Um, that is a wonderful practice because you engage with new work. There's some new idea you get to see, you learn. Yeah. Um, you get to just experience. Um, and it's yours. Yeah. There isn't any rule. Nobody's like, hey, you got to do this every day. Right. It's yours. And when you commit to that ritual on a consistent basis, yeah, something beautiful happens. It's kind of like fasting. Like you could fast one day and that's its own experience or you could fast 30 days. And by that, I mean sunrise to sunset. So you're like eating in the night. You're not like 30 days not eating. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, let's say you do that as a commitment. There's a different experience in doing it every day for 30 days. Yes. As opposed to doing it just once. Of course. Yeah. And um, so to me, like, that's what I would say, like, a ritual means to me, where you've made, like, some kind of commitment to yourself Mm -hmm. um, to do something that unfolds a little bit like a flower in these unexpected ways. Can't be forced. Yes. But then you just experience a really beautiful thing from that commitment to the ritual. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if that makes sense. But. No, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm glad that you explained it that way. It's, it's very. That is easy for someone to to get. Like that's accessible, and and I'm I'm glad that you you explored it that way. You explained it that way because. Sometimes when we say the idea, like say the word ritual, something specifically spiritual will come up. And I think it's important for us within ourselves to sort of make up our own rituals around, you know, what it is that we're intending to engage with or, or something that we would like to get out of it. And, you know, and also be flexible on, on what that might be. You might you might say, you know, I'm going to do this ritual of, of reading uh, every day, somebody's poetry every day, and then, and then think that it's the intention to keep you in a place where you're going to, or, or inspire you to write, but it might bring out something else. It might bring out a song. It might, it might help you realize that getting up 10 minutes early every day is, is actually beneficial to you and bring you on a whole other path. Uh, but I, I appreciate you explaining it that way because it's something that people can understand (laughs) or it could feed your life or it could heal something or it could make you feel connected to something bigger than yourself or it could you know keep going we could keep going you know and rituals don't have to be that huge rituals could be I'm watering my plants and that's all I'm gonna do this time and you know there's 
that will become your relationship to that one <laughs> act. Yeah. And you start building with that act. So, chocolate before bed. Chocolate before bed. <laughs> I don't know if I would do that one. <laughs> but I might. <laughs> that's, that's just throwing Brush your teeth after, just do that. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I had a ritual last year. I, I made it a point every day to go to the river for a walk every day, mm. cold rain didn't matter. I mean, where I could, like, if it was like a blizzard, obviously that day I didn't go. Um, and I built a relationship with the place. Yes. And I think that's what the ritual does. It like helps you build a relationship with the thing that Mm -hmm. you're putting in, including a a relationship to yourself in relation to that thing. So going back to the example of reading a new poem a day, yeah, build a relationship with new text. You build a relationship with poetry as the reader. Yeah. And it, And so that, when you're in times of distraction, these rituals, I think what you're saying is that these rituals help keep you connected to the subject. Even if it's like not, I'm going to write a poem every day. It's something that's just connected to that folk poetry. Definitely. Like the, I think the river is an example of that, right? Yeah. That helped me stay connected to myself. Yeah, to God, you know, it, you know, it was, it, end of the land, mm-hmm. and you know, things bigger than myself outside of me. Yeah, and um, I'm so grateful. You know, I think rituals really, really help. If you ever feel stuck, if you ever feel really distracted, you can pick yeah. a very small ritual, even. And, you know, you can even notice the rituals that already exist in your day. Many of us have them. Mm -hmm. We wake up, we make a cup of coffee. We wake up, we might make our bed, you know, whatever that is for you. You Mm -hmm. can add like one other thing that you feel might be creating a distraction or that might help you through a distraction. Yes. Um, And be compassionate with yourself. If you're not able to do it one day or, yeah, you know, but where you can, it's like a container so that you're not in a space of getting pulled into just like reacting to the things happening in the world around you. I think sometimes mm. that's like what distraction can be too. Oh my gosh. That's always my distraction. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then you just get caught in the thing. Like it can pull you back to like, you know, where you want to be. Yeah. Like you and your plants and you're watering them. And It's amazing how much I allow myself to be distracted by the getting to work on time and paying the bills. And I mean, all things that are necessary for me to do if I want to live in this apartment and have a paycheck or whatever. But um, it, it's, I, I have noticed that there are times in my life where 
I say my brain, like it's not connected to me, but I feel like my brain is creating more to do things to do that are not in alignment (laughs) with what's inside me. What, what's sort of inside me to be expressed. It's like my brain sometimes take over and is like this one task that really could take you, you know, 15 minutes with proper planning. It's now it's going to take you like hours (laughs) and you know, and, and that takes up so much of my space inside me that where's the room to dance to my, excuse me, dance to my favorite music. I forget that that's even a, I forget it's a priority. I think the other thing, and I think we were talking about this before we started Mm -hmm. recording together. Yeah. This podcast was just like multitasking versus monotasking. Yes. And like, you know, how beautiful monotasking is when you just focus on one thing. Yes. And you eliminate some of the distractions that kind of like easily slip in when you're when you're multitasking. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at multitasking either because there's some finesse to multitasking that I respect. Yes. Um, and then there's just sometimes where we're required to multitask. It just isn't any other choice. Yes. Um, but I also think there's some beauty to focusing on one thing mm-hmm. and um, where the mind goes with that and how it eliminates distractions mm-hmm. sometimes to do that. Um, and then sometimes like maybe you just need to be distracted. <laughs> And like, just embrace that. And it's okay. You know, like maybe, maybe unconsciously your mind is working through a thing. Yes. And that distraction is just helping you do that unconsciously. Yeah. I tend to really like to go for walks because I really believe very deeply my, and my dad taught me this is that you work some things out, even though you don't realize that you're doing it. Yeah kind of unconsciously work some things out when you're, when you go for a walk and just take some time to do something like that. And beautiful. That's a great place to get distracted by like seeing some birds flying above. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Like like I was just like the other day I went for a walk and I heard all these like creatures. I was like, who is that? (laughs) And like, it was these little squirrels, like, darting through the fun distractions. Those are fun <laughs> distractions. <laughs> Playing with nature. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I think just not being so hard on ourselves sometimes too. And just, you know, allowing things to flow. Yeah. Um, and sometimes our minds need a break to not think about anything. Yeah. I I, I was reading some article somewhere where it was just like, we're really inundated with thinking about things all the time. Yes. And um, especially with social media and things like that um, or the internet or whatever. And that, you know, it's like kind of good to not think about something at all sometimes and just like zone out or, Mm -hmm. um, and allow that rest so that, you know, whatever unconsciously needs to work itself out. it It has room to do that. Some room to breathe. Yeah, I, I was just talking to my friend about how about how we used to sit and 
just look out the window as kids and look at the rain or look at the clouds. And we would do it for long periods of time. I would do that too. Yes, right? I was that person too. And like, or like, just like stare out the window in a car ride or a a bus or whatever. And just like, I would zone out looking at the trees, the different landscape, or just like following the moon. Uh. (laughs) And like where it would end my language. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I was definitely looking out the window kid as well. You're yeah. just like staring into that space of so much going on outside. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good for the mind to rest sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it actually like helps propel more creativity. I agree. There, I agree. I, I have noticed in the last like year or so that my distractions have shifted more to, you know, I live in Portland. So part of it has to do with, I don't like to be in in the dingy rain. And so, and so during certain seasons, instead of sort of opting for that, looking out the window or like sitting in the grass or whatever, I'll opt for the easy stimulation, like, you know, streaming online TV shows and stuff like that. And it's interesting because my brain does allow itself to like, I'm not really thinking a lot, but it's overstimulating in a way that is not organic or natural. And so that just, that I have noticed fills up so much space inside my brain, even though it's not activating, it's filling up space that is definitely not leaving openness for creativity. Whereas like this distinction where we're saying, like, if it's in nature and you know, nature speaking to you and, you, you just looking out a window or, you know, staring at a mountain or, you know, just letting without stimulation that's programmed to fill your head. It's, it's a really different type of distraction. And it's, it's interesting because that type of distraction, like you're saying, helps, can help you be more creative. It's such a simple thing. It, it's so like, it's such a simple idea. It's like seemingly obvious, but it's really easy to forget this. But well, I think it connects <laughs> to what we were talking about. Yeah. With just being embodied. Like, is it mm-hmm. something that's bringing you back in your body? Right. Is it something that's bringing you back into yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it something that's disassociating you from those things, which yeah. some of these distractions can do. Yeah. And so just trying to be really cognizant of that for yourself you know, is this distraction helping me? Yes. Right there. That, (laughs) that's the question. Is this distraction helping me? Yes. I love that. That's a really good way to, to look at it for those of us who are like, yeah, we're going to go start rituals. Beautiful. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Could I ask about city of pearls? Of course. How did this start for you? Could you tell us a little bit about, give us a little bit about the journey of how this eventually became a book? Like, where did it start? You've been writing poetry since you were little, but there's something that happens when we decide to put it all together and bind it in a book and have this tangible thing that that goes out into the world. Um, 
where's the birthing of City of Pearls? So there's a couple things. Um, it took me a long time, definitely over 15 years. Wow. There's poems in that book that are definitely over 15 years old. Wow. Um, one thing that was important, um, City of Pearls is a nickname from, for Hyderabad, the city that um, I was born. Mm -hmm. It's my ancestral city. And it's located in South India. Mm. And I come from a marginalized community in India. And initially the, the early poems that I was writing, you know, my dad was alive. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I, I wanted to sort of capture these subtle histories of um, my community that often is erased or not valued or dehumanized. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do it in like a really simple and very subtle way. Right. So um, if you read this book and you're Hyderabadi, you'll see like all kind of little secret plate things ah, <laughs> okay. uh -huh. that that you you would recognize that would be familiar right and um and then and then my dad passed away mm. and all of a sudden the whole book changed mm -hmm. um I didn't have the name of this book back then either it was like something totally different and I didn't even think about a book at that point. I just had to write. Yeah. And, you know, more years went by. <laughs> and, you know, but each of these poems were being created at their own time. And it wasn't like I was a full-time artist during this time either. Yeah. You know, I had, I was doing all these other things the recovering social justice lawyer. Yeah, I was going to ask, during this time you were, you were a lawyer. I was, but you know, um, it's definitely informed my poetry yeah. and that's a whole other topic. Gosh, we've been talking for a while, so I don't want to go into that whole other topic, but I very intentionally have become a recovering Mm -hmm. social justice um, lawyer, it was a very intentional decision to move away from that. Uh-huh. Um, and to me, I really believe that the space of art is the space of liberation. Mm. Um, but that's a different topic. I want to get back to like, I guess your initial question about the book. So I was like, oh, mom, I was like also sustaining myself. And I was also doing some of this other work um, with a commitment to um, intimate partner and family violence survivors. Yeah. And um, all of this is informing my work. And then I'm just grieving, losing yeah. my dad. Yeah. And just taking my time with that process. And, you know, as the time is also going by, different things are happening. You know, 9-11 happened. 
Wow. You know, that impacted the work. Um, Various wars. Yes. You know, various violences here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just kept writing. Finally, when this thing's really just started being really born, there's like this pregnancy time and then like you're getting into pushing this thing out. (laughs) It like, I didn't include all the body of writing that took place during these years. It wasn't just like, here's everything. There was like intentionality of picking each of these things and then editing them down so that they capture the most with the least amount of words. Yes. And just have like a sort of simplicity to them, which is also intentional. Um, and it, it took shape of what I was sharing with you of this journey wow. of grief and loss, mm. but also birth. So that some of these poems were written before even my son was born. You know, and, you know, many were also written after he was born and some were written before my father died and many were written after my father died. Oh my gosh, um, this is like your life story in this book. (laughs) Well, it's kind of, but not. Yeah, I mean, you don't specifically (laughs) talk about my life and this is what happened on this day. It's not like that, but it's this artistic expression of such a, really rich part of your life it sounds like but the part of my life that I think connects me to all humans Mm. that we all experience birth in some capacity and we all experience death in some capacity yeah um and we yeah and I I wanted I think I wanted this book to sort of connect back into also the the coming back to your to yourself. Yes. In between these these two things that constantly are taking place in the in our life. Mm-hmm. You know, deaths and births constantly mm. even within our body something is dying all the time. Yeah. And something is being born again and regenerating all the time. And um, I wanted to, that's what I was, my, what I wanted to try to capture with it in the most simplest of ways. And, um, and so that was the process. So then, yeah. And then finally, (laughs) there was a, a press, upset press that was interested in the manuscript and, you know, by 2019, the book came into the world and then you let it go. It's just become its own. A treasure for the world. I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but it, it's become whatever it needs to be. Yeah. It's like not mine anymore in a lot of ways. Yes. And, you know, um, one of the biggest gifts in the experience of sharing it is just like getting to hear 
from other people and like the ways in which it resonated for them and their life. Mm. And they will share stories about their life or people that they've lost that they care about or, you know, um, their own relationship to it. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful. And yeah, I'm glad it's, it's done and out there and I'm excited to like move to the next thing. And I hope it's not going to take 15 years. That's what I <laughs> want to get to like, let's do this now. Let's do this now. <laughs> so different energy. I, you know, that grief is something that comes up. Grief and loss is something that comes up naturally in this. Um, it's like a common theme I, I noticed in this book and, and you and I talked about that and was there any part of you that, oh, maybe this is kind of a, sim, uh, not the, uh, like kind of a dumb question, but was there I any part of you questions. that was like, <laughs> was just like scared to share so vulnerably about grief and loss? I mean, definitely it's scary, but I know like some of the poems that I wrote, like I had to. Yeah. And as I mentioned, there's something that transmutes when you do create. And it isn't just like, hey, let me work out my stuff. Yeah. Like I have an intention with this that if I share this, I hope that it will also offer some space for yeah. the reader. Some space just to get back into themselves, get mm -hmm. back into their body, get back into the person that they love, get back into themselves that they love. Yeah. Um, that's the hope. That was my hope. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yes, grief can be scary, but when you embrace it. There's nothing to be afraid of anymore, you know. There's a lot of beauty in in it as well. And I'm not going to say that, oh, yeah, like I found the answer. I wrote this book. I found the answer. Mm -hmm. And now I don't grieve. <laughs> I <laughs> grieve. I still grieve. Um, I still miss my dad yeah. deeply. It's interesting to like read when I read poems about him, you know, I still grieve, you know? So um, there's no time with it, I don't think. Hmm. But I do think, you know, it's very linked to also the new. So that even when I'm grieving my dad, I'm happy about my new relationship with him mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And that's the new, that's the birth. We're getting to know him as an ancestor. That's beautiful. And, you know, so my hope is in these poems, like in sharing that, it just might offer someone some peace. Oh, definitely. I, I can attest to that for sure. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Sham Yali, if the Sham Yali of 15 years ago walked into your dwelling and wanted to talk to you, 
what wisdom would you share with her? I'm just like, wow. It's weird that you picked 15 years. I know. <laughs> I think when I lost my dad. Oh, what? <laughs> so I heard you say 15 a little earlier, 15 years a little earlier, but I, I didn't equate those things. Yeah. I, I well, I didn't that. even equate it till now. Yeah. Cause I was like 15 years ago, my God, <sighs> I would just want to hold her. Mm-hmm. Heart to heart wisdom. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I would just hold her. It was beautiful. Um, Cause in a lot of ways, a huge part of me died when my dad died too. Yeah. And a new one was born, you know? I birthed a new part of myself. Mm. So I would probably just let her know it's gonna be okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Lovely. Crying. <laughs> I I appreciate you sharing so openly and honestly with us. And you know, this is this is that we were talking about this earlier. This when we share from what's really inside us and, and we are connecting on a creative level. And I, I really appreciate that. And I would love to know. What is your blessing for this world? What is my blessing for this world? Like, mm-hmm. what do I wish for this world? Sure. Yeah. I wish joy for everybody. And I really wish that everyone be okay. Like, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds so, like, simple. I Just love like, it. <laughs> to be okay, to be happy, to be joyful. Simple and powerful. Yeah. You know, um, everyone to be all right I want that too (laughs) I do I want that too and also like you know all the other things like I wish everybody love I wish everybody freedom and liberation yeah and like to be in their purpose like I really wish everyone in the world that they be in their purpose yes Mm -hmm. beautiful thank you so much for sharing with us and there's so many beautiful nuggets of wisdom and and what you shared and i'm definitely inspired a lot of things sort of woke up for me in in this conversation and i just i just i'm really honored that you spent your time and i wish you the very best shami ali thank you so much for having me alexandra (laughs) you are a blessing (laughs) Oh, this has been awesome. Yes, thank you. Well, friends, I hope that conversation was as awesome for you as it was for me. Please enjoy this reading from our new friend, Shame Ali, from her book, City of Pearls, which I will link in our Instagram and Facebook pages, as well as in the show notes. 
This poem is called Goddesses and Doormats. And I requested it especially for us. This poem came from a quote I saw by Pablo Picasso, where he said, there are only two types of women, goddesses and doormats. And I was like, okay, (laughs) write this poem. Everyone would like to believe they are Mott, Venus, and Kali, but there are many doormats, one in front of almost every door. I feel reverence for the doormat, beautiful underdog, underappreciated, disregarded one you think isn't anything, seemingly without gifts and nothing to say. In fact, You may not notice her at all. Bristly, unassuming thing with a corny saying on top. Hello, welcome, love. Deity at the entrance, resistant to shock, immune to damage. She is the guardian of the doorstep. The first thing you touch before entering a home. You perform a daily ritual at her temple without thinking. Born from the fiber of tender tissue that surrounds the seeds of coconut palms, the guts of Cocos Nicephora made from dignified hands. People reveal themselves in her presence, humble, arrogant, cruel, kind. She is aware of the manner of the step. At night, the moon comes to rest on the small of her back. Craters, scars, and light, her language. The original and healthy beats for this podcast were created by Quincy Davis. His details are in the show notes. Woke Wisdom podcast episodes are written, hosted, produced, and edited by me, Alexandra Loves. My guests, of course, bring their own wisdom. If you have any questions you want me to answer on the podcast, you can email me at wokewisdompodcast at gmail.com or even better, text the podcast at 601 601- 301-6974. I would be so grateful if you helped me share these messages far and wide by boosting the podcast with good reviews on Apple Podcasts or by sharing the episodes with friends and groups and families on social media. That would be so awesome. It just takes a few moments and a few clicks. Click, 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 clicky, click. Be blessed and I'll see you next week. Oh, one more thing. They told me I needed a disclaimer, so cue the music. Let's do this. The information in all podcast episodes and corresponding materials, the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves, are provided for general, informational, and explorative purposes only. It is not professional advice. Any content provided by Alexandra Loves, guests, bloggers, sponsors, or authors are of their own opinion and not intended to defame, slander, or malign any person, place, or thing. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or attached material. 
Alexandra Loves and her guests are not therapists, counselors, physicians, unless otherwise stated. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast or corresponding materials to treat any mental, physical, or medical condition in either yourself or others. Please seek out appropriate professionals for help. Privacy matters to the Woke Wisdom Podcast. People, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast may be changed to protect confidentiality. Through this podcast and corresponding materials, you're able to link to other websites, which are not under the control of this podcast or Alexandra Loves. The inclusion of any links does not necessarily imply a recommendation or endorse the views expressed within them. In no event is the Woke Wisdom Podcast or Alexandra Loves liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss and damage whatsoever arising from your interaction with this podcast or corresponding materials. This podcast and all corresponding materials should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. This podcast and all corresponding material is owned and copyrighted by Alexandra Loves. You are welcome to download and play the podcast and share with others for personal use. Please acknowledge the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves as the source of the material. You may not accept without our express written permission, distribute or commercially exploit the content. Email wokewisdompodcast at alexandraloves.com to attain written permission.